Hello and welcome to another episode of From No Crypto to No Crypto. It's the Crypto Coach, Blockchain Wayne, with another cryptocurrency podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by Blockchain Training Academy, helping to take cryptocurrency and blockchain education to the masses. In this podcast, we did an interview with Max Freeman of Epic Cash, so let's head on over and listen to that recording. Joined today by Max Freeman. Now, Max is the founder of Epic Cash. Epic Cash is a privacy-based cryptocurrency with a Mimblewimble protocol. We're going to talk more about that. It may sound like Greek to a bunch of you watching or listening, but let's jump right into it. Max, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Awesome, man. So first and foremost, uh, being a founder of a crypto company, I always like to get some ideologies out of, out of people I talk to in that space. So tell me your journey. Uh, how'd you get into crypto to begin with and how'd you end up uh, you know, with Epic Cash? Sure. So it's important to note, you mentioned a crypto company. Uh, there is no company just like Bitcoin. Um, we're an all volunteer group of individuals um, who form a community because we believe in this idea of a better money system. And so I came to crypto from hard money or the traditional hard money before crypto existed, which is gold and silver. And I was attracted to the idea of a store of value um, that the, the supply couldn't be messed with. Um, and also there's an attractive um, uh, attractive aspect to the supply function of crypto. Whereas if the price of gold went up a lot, then more gold would come onto the market. Um, or we could say that it's, the supply is elastic in response to price in economics uh, speak. But with crypto, you can't do that. Um, and so uh, I got involved in early 2017 and just completely fell in love and spent six 16 hours a day uh, learning everything I could on YouTube videos and devouring white papers and uh, dipping a toe in, in trading in some of the wild west of the ICOs and the fun stuff uh, back then. But uh, when I realized that Mimblewimble was going to be a game changer for particularly not just privacy, but also scalability, uh, because the blockchain uh, doesn't grow um, with the size of transactions, it grows according to a different scaling function. Um, if, if you can open up mobile money markets and download and store and validate the entire blockchain on a cheap smart smartphone without having to trust anybody, which is possible because the Mimblewimble chain is one gigabyte versus 280 for Bitcoin currently, then it opens up a lot of a lot of possibilities. So that's that's how I came to uh, to, to here. And uh, it's been about two little over two years now of, of really working on this. So that's how I got here. Nice, nice. So a lot of my listeners may have, uh, you know, heard me talk about Mimblewimble. God, about a year and a half ago, I uh, did a did a episode on on Grin and Beam, and uh, not really to you know just not give me a comparison in what differentiates you because that's how many people first hear of the Mimblewimble Mimblewimble privacy protocol, right? So what what are the, what differentiates Epic Cash from Grin and Beam? Right. So we actually built off of Grin as our code base in open source, it makes sense to stand on the shoulders of giants and not reduplicate efforts if you don't have to. And so um, on, on a technical basis, uh, Beam is written in C++ and Grin and our code are written in Rust. Rust is a newer language that's safer. And while Mimblewimble is a very safe uh, protocol in comparison to something like Zcash, where the, the math is so complicated that you can have bugs go undetected for a long time um, and hidden inflation problems and, and things we've seen in the zero knowledge 
uh, way of approaching privacy. Um, it just it just made sense to uh, to go with not only Mimblewimble but also Rust, which minimizes the sc the scope for programmer error. So the the biggest pro the biggest difference between the two or the three projects is that Grin has linear inflation of sixty coins per minute that never goes down. They don't have any halvings, and so while that uh, technically gets to very low inflation and a better stock to flow ratio in 50 years or, or 100, the inflation is 1%. Until then, it's problematic. And the economics of how the uh, the miners get paid versus the, the holders, um, it just, uh, it's just, it's not a model that has been really successful in the market. Um, and so we adopted the, what I call the Bitcoin standard emission of fixed supply of 21 million coins in the year 2140 and periodic halvings until then. Um, so if you if you look at our supply curve versus that of Bitcoin, um, in the year 2028, which is two halvings from now, there will be about 18 point something million Bitcoin. And the supply of Epic goes from zero when we launched last year. We had a fair launch with no ICO or, or pre-mine, no investors. It's just uh, true to the roots of how to structure a, a community effort based on volunteers. The supply of Epic will be 18 million, 18 point whatever million uh, to match Bitcoin exactly. And then they stay in sync um, for the next 112 years. Um, so uh, there are some other structural differences, uh, but the main one is also that Epic uses a multi-algorithm mining setup um, so that you can uh, mine, you can download the miner on Epic and run it on an old laptop in five minutes if you're sufficiently handy uh, because we use the random X algorithm for CPUs. Uh, we use ProgPow for GPUs and then the Cuckoo Cycle for ASICs, and they all operate in parallel so that they don't compete with each other. Um, so we're able to divide up the block rewards between different hardware types to let more people mine than otherwise would be uh, the, the case. Um, Beam is uh, primarily GPU mined, and the product plan of Grin was to be ASIC mined, but um, the uh, the low price of the coin um, hasn't really made the math pencil out for people to spend five or ten million dollars taping out um, a semiconductor uh, to do an ASIC. So that's a little bit in question. Um, but they're they're both great projects, and we've learned a lot from them. We just think we have a different approach of of how to uh, uh, to build what the the world needs. Nice, nice. So, and you said. Uh, you can mine it on pretty much any device. What I know there's been some talk, and this is what I've heard. I haven't really had a chance to ask you yet about this, but um, is there a plan for like a true mobile miner? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really, really exciting. Um, uh, it, in contrast to so many other projects out there that have announcements about pre-announcements of a potential announcement, I mean, we've all seen <laughs> the, the worst offenders uh, of that that um, shall go um, un unmentioned. Um, okay. When we when we launched the, uh, the, the white paper, the chain was already done and it didn't require any trust. I mean, not only were we not asking for any investment, we said, okay, um, everything that's in the in the white paper as far as promised features and functionality has to be there at the time that it launches because that's how how Bitcoin did it. Anything else, you know, it's just uh, people are skeptical and rightfully so in in today's market. So with the mobile mining, we're not making a big deal of uh, of explaining about it. I mean, uh, whoever sees this will will know. But aside from that, um, 
um, we're just going to do it and then uh, release it to the market. Um, the, the beauty of the multi-algorithm setup um, is that we can just hot swap additional ones in there. Um, and a lot of the code already exists to adapt RandomX, which currently runs on AMD and Intel processors to the ARM chipset um, that runs most of the, the mobile devices. Um, so the design choices that we made gave us a lot of flexibility in um, how we make the most of this clean sheet architecture. Um, and it also fits really well for the, the mobile first strategy because the chain is, uh, is only 1.02 gigs right now and it grows very, very uh, slowly. It can actually get smaller over time because Mimblewimble uses a, a feature known as cut through where essentially every transaction in a block is one giant coin join. Um, and then uh, further down the road, uh, the blocks will, able, will be able you can actually um, compress the data across blocks. So we might see it uh, get down even quite a bit below that. So um, there's a lot of opportunities that come from the, uh, the unique advantages of the Mimblewimble protocol itself that while we didn't invent it, we certainly um, are keen to the, uh, to the potential benefits of making the most of it. And so uh, people think they, they know what Mimblewimble is all about because they studied Grin and Beam, and that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. So we're really excited about, uh, about 2021, and a bunch of the, of the exciting stuff will start to come this year as well. No promises. <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's definitely been, uh, you know, an industry plagued with announcements of announcements. So, uh, but, you know, a lot of, you know, what I did is I reached out to some of the uh, students in our program and asked them, hey, what questions would you have? That was one of the one that, that one of the ones that popped up the most was about that. Uh, some people have been following the project, uh, wanting to know about that. The other question I got quite a, from quite a bit of people is, uh, why the name Epic Cash? How did that come about? Sure. So um, uh, for the geeks among us, they might be familiar with GNU Linux, which stands for GNU. I may be mispronouncing that, not Unix. Um, so it's a little bit of a recursive uh, uh, wordplay for geeks. And so we came up with a similar concept where EPIC stands for Epic Private Internet Cache. So it kind of re recursively folds back on itself. Um, and it also helps that it's short, easy to spell, internationally applicable. And even though uh, uh, tween age girls overused it in the past five years, um, uh, it fundamentally has a positive association. Um, and that uh, word meaning goes back thousands of years to stuff like the, uh, the epic, the Norse poems um, and also the Epic of Gilgamesh. And so um, it, it's not for everybody, but it, it appeals on, on multiple levels. And I like to joke that all the good names were taken. So that made it easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to, uh, had to kind of figure that out. So um, I guess my next question is centered around privacy coins in general, right? I'm, I'm a big fan of privacy coins. I'm sure you and I both understand that, that privacy is, is more important than people realize. So what do you see as some of the hurdles going forward um, with with privacy coins uh, as as we move into more more adoption of crypto? Uh, I, th I think that the problems for adoption in crypto will come from coins that don't that don't offer privacy, specifically, whereas uh, uh, Privacy coins get a bad rap because, oh, it's the money for terrorists and drug dealers and child pornographers and, and bad guys. Well, 
the US dollar is the, the most widely used tool of criminality. And as we've seen with institutions in the legacy banking system, like the HSBC Bank, which I call the Hong Kong and Shanghai banking criminals, um, I mean, they get busted every year or two for laundering tens of billions of Mexican cartel money and just share the profits with the government. And that makes it OK. So the whole uh, the, the whole complex of AML and KYC uh, doesn't serve its stated purpose. It mainly just excludes people from uh, if you're uh, if you're undocumented, if you're from a place where uh, you may not live within the, the, the reach of, of traditional banking, you know, you're just you're just frozen out. And so that's really inexcusable in a world where the technology exists to download an app on your smartphone and have access to the modern financial system, not to mention all the exciting stuff around DeFi that's happening. Um, there's no reason not to connect 3 billion or so, uh, depending on how you calculate it, people to the global financial system because commerce and trade is uh, are, are the cornerstones of, of wealth and payments are the the fundamental building block of trade. So whereas privacy could be seen as controversial by some, fungibility is not. And fungibility is an essential property for money to be maximally useful. And as we've seen with not just uh, stolen Bitcoin or hacked Bitcoin or darknet Bitcoin or coin joined mixer Bitcoin getting uh, censored by companies like Binance, who uh, last November uh, attracted a lot of press for censoring withdrawals or withdrawals to a user's uh, Wasabi wallet. Um, Chainalysis and know your transaction technology in real time has gotten very sophisticated. And as we saw with Coinbase, uh, they blocked 280 thousand people from sending uh, Bitcoin to the Twitter scammers last week, which you say is great, but we're getting really back into a paradigm of it's not your money. If Coinbase can decide or anyone else can decide what you can do with it, um, whether it's censorship or confiscation, not your keys, not your crypto. And so uh, uh, there's a whole host of not controversial use cases where if you don't have privacy, um, it's just it's just not going to work. And so I think that uh, the advantages of um, of having privacy for individuals make all the sense in the world and the uh, real honest or burden should be on um, uh, our public institutions. Their spending should be transparent and tracked and traced and exposed to the world. Uh, but people don't realize with, with blockchain, um, every transaction you do is publicly and permanently posted to an immutable ledger. Um, and when we say that, uh, uh, if, if you think about a simple thought experiment, you ask somebody, would you post your bank account statement or uh, credit card statement to Facebook and Twitter till the end of time? They look at you like you're crazy, but that's what people are doing in, uh, in transparent crypto. And so I think that uh, fungibility will be kind of the point of the wedge that awakens people to the importance of privacy. Because if you don't have privacy at the base layer of the protocol, um, optional privacy doesn't do it the way Litecoin is doing it with the extension blocks doesn't do it. Unless it's always on permanent privacy for all transactions all the time, um, you don't have fungibility and that just limits the, uh, the, the utility for this as a as a politically neutral money technology for for all of us so i know that's a lot but those are some of my thoughts on, yeah. on privacy and why it's important yeah no that's, that's uh some great points i mean yeah the thing with coinbase is a slippery slope because yeah they did protect some people but at what cost in the future will that you know will that happen again or maybe when it's not as clear and cut 
as far as being able to block transactions. So you gave some great points of why people would need privacy, right? So what about businesses, right? How, how do you feel businesses um, should look at this and should businesses be interested in a privacy-based cryptocurrency? Sure. Well, uh, having been a small business owner and builder for the past 20 years before getting into crypto, um, it's just a non-starter to public publicly expose your financial ledger to uh, to the world. Um, I don't even know where to start with with all the problems, but um, uh, competitors can uh, can know your your customers and uh, their spending patterns, uh, trace your supply chain, uh, where the money goes and, and to whom and, and who gets it afterwards. Um, employees uh, knowing what others get paid there's a there's some organizations that have open books as far as employee compensation but most of the time uh, it's it's just a bad idea to do that for a variety of reasons um and so i think that until there are viable um uh, cryptocurrency chains that um that have not only base layer privacy like we do but also optional auditability on top for the um, uh, for the business use cases, which you can do th through stuff like view keys. Uh, Beam is uh, definitely a functionality leader in that respect, whereas um, we're going to wait till there's uh, sufficient business demand to uh, devote engineering resources to it. Um, uh, I, I think it, it just uh, it's, it's an absolute essential prerequisite um, for the uh, the viability of crypto to go beyond a few percentage points of market relevance to, to something wider. Yeah, really, you know, kind of, so basically what you've talked about, I mean, private companies and people, we basically need to invert the current structure, right? Cause right now uh, charities and government and finance, financial institutions, they have private transactions, but we don't as people and right. businesses don't. So, need to kind of invert that technology. You know, I'm a big fan of Andreas Antonopoulos and, and a lot of what he talks about. And that's one thing he talks a lot about is, is uh, inverted technology where we invert infrastructures, you know? Well, and, and also um, uh, these people have been proven to not be trustworthy. I mean, exactly. uh, like we're in the United States, which is seen to be a relatively corruption free country. But let's go to the other end of the spectrum. I mean, if you're in uh, Venezuela or Argentina, I mean, in Argentina, if they can see it, they're going to take it. Um, and so if you have your wealth in Bitcoin, they're going to want 2.25 percent of that every year and uh, the option of uh, a peaceful, nonviolent resistance to that predation, uh, which, you know, you know, the money's going to be taken and not used for roads and schools, but stolen and wasted. Uh, I mean, don't even get me started on Africa. Um, yeah. uh, you know, when when money is politicized, uh, whether it's Operation Choke Point or the WikiLeaks banking blockade, um, there's there's additional friction and there are costs to us as uh, uh, as a society. And also um, it has important implications for the preservation of what's left of our little freedoms. Um, so, uh, uh, w w 
you asked about the motivation of, of why we're doing what we're doing, and it really returns to the roots of the um, cypherpunk ethos that existed in the very early days um, of crypto. Um, I think if Satoshi had started 10 years later, he would have started with Mimblewimble. Um, and that's why we uh, we look at, at, at Bitcoin as 99% perfect, and we only tweak the couple key things that, um, that, that weren't perfect, which uh, because of the SHA-256 algorithm, the mining is uh, only open to people that can afford the latest expensive gear, and it's also geopolitically concentrated, so it's better to let anyone share in the, the rewards of mining. Um, and also the, uh, the, the base layer privacy um, that gives you the optional transparency uh, when, it's, when it's appropriate. Nice, nice. Yeah, I definitely love that. So you can have a truly decentralized network that also gives people equal access. So whether you're on a CPU, GPU, so I definitely like, uh, you know, like a lot of the points there. Um, and, and, you know, we've gone all into this and, and it's been a while since I've talked about Mimblewimble. So um, just kind of a maybe we should back up for a second and kind of explain what what to the listeners, what does Mimblewimble do as far as how does that technology work in creating privacy? So I imagine most. Uh, listeners or viewers at this point will be familiar with the idea of a coin join um, where the the transactions are mixed together, which makes it harder. Um, you can think of it as unscrambling the egg. Once the, uh, the egg has been scrambled, you can't uh, put it back into the constituent eggs. Um, and so earlier approaches like Dash um, used master nodes to have optional mixing um, as, a, as a separate step. Um, uh, the way Mimblewimble works is that essentially every transaction in a block is mixed together in one giant coin join. And it uses a uh, concept called cut through, where if I send you one epic and you send it, if I send you one epic and you send it to uh, Alice and Alice sends it to Bob and, and so on, um, it, it just eliminates all of the intermediate transactions and it says, okay, uh, you you all just transferred one to each other, and I transferred one, uh, and it ended up here. So we're just going to eliminate all that and record this as the net one change here and uh, positive one change over there. So um, so cut through and coin join are the core. Um, there's also another privacy technology called Dandelion, where when the wallet generates a transaction, um, an interesting point that in Mimblewimble, there are no addresses. All transactions are constructed um, interactively on a P2P basis between wallets. So when the, two, when the two wallets talk, and that's something that currently requires users to be online, but uh, that's something we are committed to doing is making it easy so that the, uh, uh, the requirement for interactivity um, uh, isn't, isn't there um, anymore. Uh, the, uh, sorry, I lost, lost my train of thought. Somebody distracted me here. Um, uh, so when the wallet generates the transaction, um, instead of the first node that gets it, committing it to the mempool, um, it, bounces it around on average 10 times. So you're, you send the transaction in Texas and then it ends up on the other side of the world 10 hops later and, and gets committed to the blockchain. And what that does is it, it, it prevents uh, de-anonymizing 
based on sniffer notes, um, the way they, they actually track Ross Ulbricht as an interesting piece of trivia was by putting a web of nodes closer and closer and closer to his physical location. And so with dandelion, um, that type of uh, de-anonymization vac vector is, is no, longer, um, no longer there. So those are the three cornerstones of, of Mimblewimble, cut through, coin join, and dandelion, or dandelion plus plus rather. Gotcha. Nice. So Epic Cash right now. Uh, another question I got quite a bit from a few of our students was asking about uh, a mobile wallet as far as um, to store it. Uh, so where currently can someone store Epic Cash, um, whether they mine it, receive it? There's a there's a great um, a, a, a great little um, uh, dex um, that is available worldwide with no KYC um, called Vitex, and they have an app called the Vite V I T E um, app or Vite Wallet app on both Apple and Android. And so uh, there's there's videos online, uh, uh, tutorials and and uh, other content from our community. If you download the Vite Wallet, um, add epic 001 um, to your uh, coin list there um, and uh, uh, um, uh, buy or have somebody send it to you there. Um, it's a fully fully fledged mobile experience. So our own native mobile app will come out later this year. Um, and we're pretty excited about that. But for right now, the sort of mobile box is, is checked through uh, the fact that we trade on on Vitex. Nice, nice. Are you on any other exchanges other than Vitex right now? Yeah, there's another one out of Asia that's centralized called Cytex, C-I-T-E-X, and there's no relation between the two other than a, a slight overlap in the names. Um, and it's it's pretty obscure, but it's a, a, a decent exchange. Nobody's reported any any problems with it. Um, but uh, what we uh, what we just did that's pretty interesting um, is uh, I'm I'm sure most of the listeners are familiar with the concept of wrapped Bitcoin or WBTC. Um, there's actually more wrapped Bitcoin that is locked into smart contracts on Ethereum um, that's trading as an ERC-20 token than there is actual Bitcoin locked in the Lightning nodes um, as a layer two on, on Bitcoin. Um, and so the, the DeFi explosion shows the, the market demand in the Ethereum ecosystem. And so uh, we cribbed a page out of the WBTC playbook um, and uh, just did an experiment of setting aside some some tokens, um, creating uh, or setting aside some coins and creating uh, tokens on a one-to-one -one basis so that it's non-inflationary. Um, and we posted those on Uniswap as a liquidity pool. So anyone can come in and uh, um, earn a share of the, uh, the, the trading fees that come off of that directly through Uniswap. Um, and so we, we, we did it as an experiment. We weren't sure if anybody was, was going to care. Um, and the response has really been en enthusiastic. The Uniswap pair has consistently traded over and above what the other two exchanges do. Um, and I think that's part partly about the convenience of the Uniswap user experience. And so uh, we're opening that up as a phase two to people in our community who want to participate in what we're calling liquidity mining um, to earn a staking-like passive income stream through the, the Uniswap fees structure um, uh, and, and lock up their coins in exchange for tokens. And then the next step beyond that is to expose a uh, truly uh, trustless and decentralized smart contract-based facility 
that anyone can interact with to exchange back and forth between the coins and tokens. Um, and so uh, that really is uh, uh, something that bears mention because um, our vision is not to just have a standalone blockchain that uh, is really cool because um, I, we think we're moving to an interconnected world where uh, all of these blockchains talk to each other and you can do that in a trustless way based on atomic swaps. Um, technology isn't quite there yet. It's a little clunky compared to the centralized trading experiences, but it'll get better with time. And so again, uh, removing the ability for anyone to censor your transaction or block or, uh, or track and trace um, the idea of private assets on um, on the whole DeFi um, infrastructure that's exploding, not just on Ethereum, uh, but other chains is really, really exciting. And so Epic will, will live as a cross-chain asset um, across uh, not just its own blockchain, but other smart contract platforms as well. All right. That's nice. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people might be wondering, hey, why is Epic not on... Um, multiple exchanges, but you and I probably both know. I mean, that's kind of a rigged game right now, right? With exchanges. Well, I mean, uh, uh, there's 5,000 other shit coins out there that um, raise VC money. And the first thing they do is go and pay a listing fee to this exchange and that exchange. And uh, um, so the, to be a truly organic community project um, that has to uh, do everything based on volunteers um, and, and individual contributions, it's just a, a conversation that um, it doesn't really work because um, we're such a black swan that they're used to evaluating it through the lens of, oh, okay, you raised uh, $4 million. I'm going to charge you uh, 100000 or whatever. I mean, even uh, it's, it's just obscene. Um, names that uh, you wouldn't want to trade on are asking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and, they're, and they're getting it too, because um, as we saw in 2017, every exchange listing uh, pumps the price. And then even now today, um, depending on which exchange you, you list on, uh, people talk about the bitmax effect okay well to get that pump uh of listing on uh on their particular exchange and not to single them out i think they're great um but you know it's it's just uh you know the economics are kind of stacked against you and so we're committed to as an investor and so we're committed to an organic route of building up community building up uh not artificially inflated uh, liquidity and volumes, and with the uh, with the organic growth of the project, the uh, range of exchange um, uh, transaction points will naturally grow. Um, I don't think, and I don't think there's any value to be listed on a slightly uh, less junky exchange and then work up to the next one. Um, when we can do innovative stuff like uh, creating the wrap tokens on Uniswap and some of the other, um, you know, balancer and curve and compound and synthetics and Ren, um, there's just a way to substitute um, creativity and intellectual um, capital for financial capital, um, and uh, that uh, if you if you build it, they will they will come. Um, and so, at the end of the day, exchanges want trading fees, and if there's a valuable network here that that users want to participate in and transact with, then uh, that they'll find a way to add us. Nice. Yeah, I always tell people if uh, if Satoshi was was creating Bitcoin today he would struggle to get it listed on many exchanges, right? Yeah, not without not, not without paying his pound of flesh, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, so. all, and all of the all of the community contests as well. Um, uh, those are those are kind of rigged games and shams as well. I mean, uh, there's a whole industry of uh, specialized providers that if you want to win XYZ trading competition, and you know, you see that it got thousands of votes for something that nobody has heard of last week. I mean, it's <laughs> increasingly yeah. farcical. Yep, it's a rigged game. So, all right, Max. So as we wrap up, and uh, and I'll I'll drop some links uh, when this video posts and when the podcast posts. But tell people where can they connect to get more information about Epic and what you guys are doing. There's a site up at epic.tech. The white paper is actually up in uh, over 20 languages, not machine translated. We had individual uh, community volunteers um, uh, do that. And uh, there's a tremendous amount of other content up there as well. Um, so epic.tech is a great place to start. And then I would encourage people who are interested to, uh, to join our Telegram, which is just Epic Cash. And then there's different language ones and one for, for mining. Um, there's a bridge between our Discord and our Telegram. So uh, the messages automatically pass back and forth. Um, that's one of the things that we're that I'm personally most proud of is the strength of the, the community that we've built. Um, a lot of these other projects are fairly hostile to newcomers if you need help to get started mining or not sure how to navigate um, uh, the Mimblewimble technology at any time of day. Um, there's friendly people there uh, waiting to, to help out. And so that's, uh, um, that's really something special as well that I would encourage everybody to check out if you're, if you're interested. All right. Awesome. Well, man, I, I really appreciate it. I'm, uh, you know, kind of winning me over when it comes to Epic. I've had a few friends that have been talking about it for a while. Um, haven't really looked much into it uh, up until recently. So definitely something that I personally going to be uh, digging more into. I'm a big believer in a lot of the principles behind privacy being a fundamental right for everybody. Uh, so, man, I appreciate the time today. Appreciate the, the information, the education. Um, any final thoughts before we go? Um, no, just uh, uh, if, if anybody wants some free coins, just post your uh, Vite wallet address in the comments and I'll, I'll check back. Um, if I forget, just let me know. But um, uh, uh, Brock Pierce actually played a great role in the, um, the spread of Bitcoin in the early days by putting a few coins on USB sticks and sprinkling them in the parking lot outside of uh, Burning Man, I think it was, or maybe South by Southwest. And so we're doing the same kind of thing here. Um, if anybody wants a, a couple free coins to get started, um, just drop, drop a link. Um, and then we're going to extend that concept with a Twitter faucet, um, here pretty soon where you'll be able to get a, a little drip feed of, uh, of, of coins right through Twitter. So yeah, it's been great to be here. Thank you, Wayne. Hope to be back yeah. on at some point. Man, I love that. Uh, I love that analogy with Brock Pierce and even, you know, even Andreas will say, you know, we need to airdrop this, uh, you know, on, on hardware while it's just, you know, across the world. So. I think that is more important than exchange listings and being traded on on an exchange. So awesome work that you guys are doing. Definitely looking forward to catching up in the future and seeing what's going on with the project. Don't forget to take him up on his offer as well. I mean, who doesn't like free crypto, right? Free free money, free cash, and it's it, it's it's private, right? So uh, make sure you follow the steps there. Put your address to your wallet in the comments here, wherever you're watching it. I'll be sure and. Uh, forward that over to Max since uh, we're going to post this in a few places. So again, Max, thanks for, thanks for joining us. 
Right on. Good to be here. Thanks. All right. And everyone, thank you for listening and watching. And we will catch you on the next episode. Take care.